Friends, will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, move among us that we may hear God's word, and hearing it, we might respond with boldness today and every day. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. This morning, we continue our sermon series for this Eastertide, Eastertide being a word that we use in the church. You don't hear it much otherwise, but it's that time between Easter Sunday and Pentecost. So these weeks between the two, we have been talking about wrestling with belonging. And today, we are especially focused on expectations, wrestling with expectations as it has to do with our belonging to God. For me, our faith plays a role in any expectations that we may or may not have. As we live and move and have our being, how does our faith inform what we expect of ourselves, what we expect of others, and what we expect of God? And I also ponder what God expects of us. Jesus tells a story about the power of having faith the size of a mustard seed. Just a speck of faith can change the trajectory of our lives and of others' lives. But do we really believe that? And I wonder if we truly expect that faith in God will win the day. And what an approach to life looks like with that belief. When we keep that in our minds, how might that impact, how does that impact the ways that we live? And also, what do we miss out on without such faith in God and God's people? The scripture lesson comes from Matthew's gospel, chapter 17, beginning at verse 14. These events take place just after the transfiguration of Jesus, when he and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, go up the mountain to pray. While there, Jesus begins to shine brightly alongside visions of Elijah and Moses. They all had an experience of the presence of God in an amazing way. After this, they make their way down the mountainside, and that is where we pick up the story. And so I invite you to listen and read that by faith you may receive God's word for you this morning. When they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus, knelt before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith, 
the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last Monday started in somewhat of an unusual way for me. I received an early morning text message from a church member who happens to be a teacher in the Frisco School District. She asked if I would pray on her behalf for peace as she was preparing to go back into her classroom that Monday morning and further as she was preparing to take her two children to their respective schools. A bit later, an email came to me from another of our church members who is a teacher in the Plano School District with a similar request. Will you pray for me? I'm feeling anxious as I prepare to go back into my classroom. Both of these districts and communities were dealing with threats and were understandably on edge following the tragic shootings at the Allen Mall the weekend before. And I thought, we should be able to expect that we will be safe shopping at a mall, being in a classroom, going to the grocery store, living our daily lives. We should be able to expect that we will be safe. Yet this basic expectation is being challenged everywhere. And then I thought, isn't this the human condition writ large. Here's what I mean. There is a rather famous painting by the artist Raphael, and it depicts what we just read and a little more that I referenced. And so I want to commend it to you to take a look at it. It is housed at the Vatican. It is entitled The Transfiguration. And at the top of the painting, it depicts Jesus shining brightly, his clothes glowing. And as you look at the painting, to the left of Jesus is Elijah, representing the prophets. And to the right of Jesus is Moses, representing the law. And they are hovering there. And just below them are Peter, James, and John, the disciples who went up the mountain to be with Jesus for prayer. And they were beholding this divine experience. They were having a mountaintop experience. Set below that part of the painting is a depiction of the story that I read to you just a moment ago. About the father with the ill son. Who first attempted to go to the disciples and ask for healing for his son. Who suffered greatly with his illness. And they could not heal him, scripture says. And so, with great faith, the father took his son to Jesus and asked the same. As you look at this painting and you see the comparison, the top is this mountaintop experience and the bottom is the chaos and the terrible hardships of daily living. Jesus expects us to have faith enough to leave the mountaintop and go down in to where we live our daily lives. 
I believe that is an expectation that God has of us. And so, even if we wanted to just stay above the fray, so to speak, and not deal with the day-to-day difficulties, God has other plans for us. And we know that because we live in the muck and the muck, the mud and the muck of our daily living. We are confronted with difficulties right and left. But we are not without hope because we are people of faith. I believe that we live with expectations all the time. Sometimes they're spoken of, we articulate them, and other times they just come with the territory. When we put dishes in the dishwasher and we turn the dishwasher on, we expect that the dishes are going to be clean. Now, some of you have fancy dishwashers that don't require any rinsing and you can just put the dishes in the dishwasher and it magically cleans the dishes. I don't have one of those dishwashers. If you could maybe talk to Michelle about me getting one of those, I'd love it. (laughs) You know, when I thought about the dishwasher example, I was like, okay, so that reminds me of the many conversations that I'm privileged to have with couples who are preparing to be married. And we talk about, among many, many other things, household expectations. How do you plan to share the chores? Who's going to take out the trash? Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to wash the dishes? It provides interesting opportunities for dialogue, you can imagine. Many of you probably still have that dialogue 35 years later. (laughs) Perhaps especially in Dallas when we come to a stoplight, we expect that the light is going to change when it is supposed to so that all the traffic can move efficiently. Does it always happen? No. But we expect it. We anticipate it. We hope for it. We pray for it. When we go to a gas station and we go to the gas pump, we swipe our card or insert our card and we expect to be able to pump gas immediately. When we engage in a friendship, when we have a friendship with another person, we have certain expectations of that other person and they have expectations of us. We're going to give love and care and support. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a laugh. We're going, to, we're going to be a friend to them. And they are going to have the same expectations of us. Further, as people of faith, we have particular expectations as we worship and as we experience the sacraments in community together. When we come around the baptismal font, we pray over the water. We know that God is present. And as we have the water washing of that one being baptized, whether an infant or an adult, vows are made, promises are made. The parents on behalf of an infant or a child, the adult on their own behalf, make promises that they are going to follow Christ, that they are going to learn and develop their faith. And then we, as a congregation, have the opportunity to make promises as well. That we will participate in that nurture of faith for that person and that family, that individual. We believe that God is here present in the water, hearing the the vows, and that God will walk alongside us as we live into what we promise. As we come around the communion table, as we break the bread and pour the cup, we believe that God is here present. That the eyes of our hearts are opened and that as we partake of the elements, 
we know more fully than ever the depths of God's love for us. Beyond worship, in worship and beyond worship, as we pray to God, we trust and believe that God hears the prayers that we offer as feebly as we may offer them. I've heard some of the most beautiful prayers from the likes of you and from of the, some of the very same people I've heard you say, oh, well, I can't pray, you pray. Come on. Y'all can pray. I've heard it. But regardless of how we pray, it's the fact that we pray and God receives that prayer. Now, a challenge is we may pray something specific. We may ask God for something on a particular uh, hope for a time or an event or something to happen, and it may not come to pass the way we hope for. Friends, that does not mean that the prayer hasn't been answered or won't be answered. It's that whole God's timing thing, which is the rub. It's hard sometimes. But we expect, as people of faith, that our earnest prayers are received by God and that God will act upon those prayers in God's time and in God's wisdom. When I was a seminary student in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, during my middler year, my second year, I, I participated in the year-long uh, student pastor field education opportunity in a church that was about 30 minutes from the campus. I had just started. I think I had been in church one Sunday, and the pastor called me the next day, I think on a Monday morning, and said, Mark, uh, Mr. So-and-so is in the hospital there in Princeton, and I'm wondering if you can go by and see him. He and his wife are there, and he has just received a terminal cancer diagnosis. They're uh, putting him on hospice care, and he's not expected to live more than a few days. Will you go by and see him? I said, sure, Pastor, I, I will be glad to go and see him. And I hung up the phone, and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What have I gotten myself into? But y'all, and this is part of my call story, and I've told it in different venues in different ways, I will summarize it to say this. I went to the hospital not knowing what I would say, not knowing exactly how I would be or how I would carry myself in terms of my confidence because I had never done such before. But what I said before I went into the hospital that day in a prayer to God was, I am here, you have asked me to be here through this man in this congregation. Please tell me what to say, tell me when to be quiet, and give me the confidence I need to show up and do what you need done. And y'all, God did it. And I remember it, this was 21, 22 years ago. I remember it as if it was yesterday, leaving the hospital room, walking down the hallway, my eyes filling with tears uncontrollably because I knew that God was going to get me through this seminary education and this amazingly uh, privileged calling of being a pastor because it was God's call. It was God's will. God would be with me. And I saw it in real time, and I experienced it real time, and so I'm able to share it over and over again. Three months later, I went to the same hospital with Michelle, 
so that Timothy could be born, our first son. So I went to the hospital with a different set of expectations, probably. But I went to the hospital knowing that God would be present with us. Fifteen months later, all over again, our second son, born in the same hospital, God would show up. I knew it. In each of these visits to the hospital, my faith informed how I experienced the circumstances. Whether I realized it or not at the time, I brought with me expectations based on my faith of how God would show up and how I would show up by God's strength. We, all of us, are given the power of faith. Jesus tells us that nothing will be impossible for us. I think that's hard to reconcile because the reality for many of us is that there are unanswered or unanswerable questions about why bad things happen. For we can be good, faithful, prayerful, and yet relationships fracture. Jobs are lost. Violence erupts. Health fails. Hopes and dreams are dashed. And yet, God is near. People regularly ask me how I manage the harsh realities of this world with the faith that I have in God. That is how I do it. I'm convinced that God is near. This is what I have been given to base my expectations on. Friends, there is never a time that we live apart from God's presence, from God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. That is true for all of us. God is with all of us, the good, dutiful, faithful, obedient ones, and all the others too. Thank the Lord. God is near. God is aware. God grieves. God's heart breaks. God hopes right along with us. And as unsatisfying as it is, we may just have to settle for no answers to particular questions, or at least no answer right now, or perhaps not the answer we were looking for, but an answer nonetheless. So let's pray for one another in this, to have the patience and the wisdom to wait on God, to listen to God, because I believe God does expect us to act. God does not expect us to sit back and let somebody else that's better able to do it, more equipped to do it. Scripture tells us God is with every one of us. None of us is skipped over. The gifts that God gives to us are manifest in differing ways, absolutely. And some of us are better at some things than other things. Do not entrust anything mechanical to me. If you want something written, I'm your guy. If you need an editor, I got you covered. Don't give me a tool except a pencil or a computer. But that said, God expects us to act on what our convictions are. 
and to seek help if we need it. In all kinds of situations and circumstances right now, today, we are left to wonder, what can I do? What is within my control, my ability, my power, and what is beyond it? So whatever it is that's occupying your mind right now, and there are plenty of things out there that could be occupying your mind. It could be something intensely personal and private, or it could be something that you heard on the radio or you read in the paper just this morning. And you're reminded once again, oh my goodness. How am I to be in this situation or that situation? Do I have a role here? Or is this a place that I'm supposed to step back and let someone else take the lead? That doesn't mean be absent. That doesn't mean not pray. That doesn't mean find another way. I think this all requires a nuanced understanding. And what I mean by that is to think on it this way. Nothing God has given us to do will be impossible for us. That's the key. Nothing God has given us to do will be impossible for us because God is working in us. What is required in this moment is to have faith in ourselves to do what God has given us to do. That last phrase is the kicker. What is it that God has given me to do And what is it someone else's to do? God expects us to engage in the work of figuring that out, of learning this distinction, because in Jesus, God has equipped us to do this work, to roll up our sleeves and to work alongside one another to improve the human condition. And that is no easy task. People spend a lifetime trying to figure it out. But they're trying. They're trying to figure it out. We all have Jesus' power to accomplish this task. We too have been commissioned just as were his first disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and teach them to obey all I have commanded. And remember... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In today's story, the father is a model of strong faith, bringing his son to Jesus for healing only after attempting the same with the disciples who the scripture says could not cure him. Of course, we don't know all the details, but it sounds like Jesus is kind of fed up. He wonders how long is he going to have to keep at it with these numbskulls? I can easily imagine he sometimes wonders about me in the same way. When is this guy going to figure out what is his to do and what's not? Which lane is his to be in and which lane is someone else's? It seems Jesus is left to wonder whether these disciples will step up and become the new community that Jesus has come to earth to create in contrast, stark contrast 
to the naysayers of Israel. Will they step up? Or will they regress into old ways of thinking? Will they lean on the power that Christ has given to them to do the work that they've been given to do or not? The struggle is real. The same questions loom large for all of us today. Will we step up or will we regress? I mentioned this at the 9 o'clock service this morning, and I got some feedback, so I'm sure I will again. I'm made fun of sometimes because I love Amy Grant. Sorry, traditional music people. (laughs) I grew up listening to Amy Grant, who's a contemporary Christian artist, and I still love Amy Grant. I even went to see her here in Dallas last year. She has a new song. She's still active, and she's still doing great things, and she has a song called Trees We'll Never See. And I thought of this song because it talks about how we invest in people and circumstances and situations that we will potentially never see the fruits of our labor, never see the end results of our investment. Part of the, one of the lyrics says, We're all sons and daughters just ripples on the water, trying to make it matter until our time to leave. Friends, Jesus is the one who creates the church, who walks alongside it, who empowers it, who continues it. And I think that's a good reminder. We are the church. Jesus is walking alongside us today. As we take our mustard seed-sized faith and confront the ills of the human condition, we do so with companions, starting with Jesus himself. We can rightly expect this to be the case because he says so himself, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This work of discernment and action is not for the faint of heart, but is for the ones with expectant hearts, giving hearts, faith-filled hearts. It's even for those of us whose hearts are often in the right place, but we fumble the ball over and over and over again with our impatience, our speaking instead of listening, with our wrong-headed belief that All the positive outcome rests on our shoulders and no one else's. On our strength of faith when nothing could be further from the truth. I end my message this morning with a blessing from the lives we actually have. Written by Duke professor and author Kate Bowler. Love can break your heart. It's probably in the fine print. Didn't you click the box at the bottom of the terms and conditions? Blessed are you when your kids are ungrateful, when your parents are unbearable, or when they would have been if they were still around, when you you help an unfixable friend 
listen much longer than a normal person should, or give selflessly out of meager resources. Blessed is your terrible evaluation of who is worth it. Your cost-benefit analysis would be the laughingstock of any economist. You ignored the signs. Will this make you richer, happier, well-rested? Probably not. You have been noticing for a while how these small moments, the privilege of wrapping a blanket around this love, this friendship, this stranger, are impossible to quantify. Love is adding up to so much more somehow. Because blessed are you whose heart has grown three sizes. Regardless, you who push through the fear of intimacy, the fear of loss, the fear of all the unknowns, and choose to love still. Blessed are we, loving beyond our limits, loving when it doesn't make sense, loving without any lifetime guarantees, loving when it might break our hearts. That is, of course, the best thing about us, our big, great, dumb hearts. Friends, all thanks be to God. Amen.